When your ideal customer's kids are begging every night to read your book, you've won. At Dinosaur House, we turn industry leaders into kids' book authors. We don't do it because it's a super fun thing to do, although it is. We do it because it's highly strategic. Imagine if every night your customers are being asked by their kids to read a book that your company made. Talk about brand affinity. You're helping your customers connect deeply with the most important thing in their lives, their kids, over something that they are passionate about that has to do with your industry. If you want to have a conversation with us about how your brand could become the author of a kid's book, just hit us up, dinosaurhouse.com. Hit the little button that says schedule a story design call. And we'll have a jam session together on just what your company's kids book could and should be. Hey, everybody. This is Colt Reiner, founder of Scrappy AF. I help early and mid-stage business leaders operationalize purpose in their companies so that they can attract and engage the best talent and customers while turbocharging their innovative capacities. And you're listening to The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. What's up, purpose-driven entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Colt. Colt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, right on, man. It is a pleasure to be with you. So I'm really excited to talk to you, but before I get into really anything, uh, I'd love for you to give our listeners some context on how your business works. So how does your business work? As in, like, what is it that you sell and to who? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when did you start it? And what's been your growth? Well, right on. So uh, at this point, what I'm selling is um, more like workshops and retreats for business leadership teams. Um, they're trying to level up the organization. They want to understand how to really get their business synced up with kind of the, the modern landscape of business, both in terms of customers and employees. Um, we do these workshops either on site or where they take retreats. My last one was in Cabo. <laughs> nice. um, and, uh, you know, really, uh, as far as like reaching out, uh, people find me when I do, when I speak at conferences or like this on a podcast, they learn about the work that, that I do uh, and they reached out, you know, as far as growth, the, the, the last couple of years have been phenomenal for me. I've exceeded every goal that I had set for the organization. Um, and it's just been an absolute thrill to be able to support like a transition, I would say for how business is done on planet earth. <laughs> How did you manage doing a business where one of the core offerings is retreats through COVID? Well, that's a great question. So um, it can be done remotely. I've delivered a lot of content uh, over Zoom and online and that type of thing. There's been a lot of stuff that I've recorded that's worked well. And I have to give props to so many conferences that faced, you know, huge challenges that have been, you know, built on in-person business models for decades and then had to scramble to figure it out. Um, there have been a lot, it's kind of a nascent space, the tools to support conferences going virtual, but man, those companies caught up quick and the conference hosts that needed to figure out how to work out a new model caught up quick. Um, and it was amazing, right? The way that they set these things up with, um, kind of walk around lobbies that you could interact with people and then attend sessions by going into rooms, ask questions, the way that they handled the video. It was remarkable. Awesome. When did you start Scrappy AF and like, how did that start? Scrappy AF was actually started as a marketing firm. Um, I started it two years ago. I, I had uh, the last role I had was a, as chief communications officer for a Cincinnati based company. 
Um, we grew that company from a $60 million valuation to a $2 billion valuation just over two years. And from my perspective, purpose played an enormous role in that success. Uh, they actually captured 60% of their market share um, during, during that time. And what I witnessed in terms of the role that purpose played for them was very, very powerful. So yeah, I stepped out of that company and leveraged my strengths as a marketing exec, but um, did everything that I can to quickly transition to uh, someone who's helping business teams do the same thing that I saw happen at Ensemble, which is to really operationalize purpose to achieve those types of results. Yeah, this is something I wanted to ask you about, because when we were DMing okay. each other, you said, I'm really seeing that it's time for the next evolution of business, of the business world. I see purpose playing a big role in that. How do you specifically see purpose playing a big role in the evolution of the business world? And what did you mean when you said you operationalized purpose? Wow. Okay. Two awesome questions. Thank you for setting me up in a beautiful way. <laughs> uh, so thing. here's the thing about, about purpose for me. I, and I've, I've talked about this before in some of my audiences. Um, there have been a lot of major shifts in business, right? You can go back like 150 years and think about like electrification. So companies that saw electrification as a significant evolution and was going to make a difference, they adopted it. Oh, they did great. And then you had these like harumph people who were like, oh, electrification, it's a fad, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And then you went into things like line manufacturing and uh, robotics and digitization and web 1.0, web 2.0. And each of these was a major revolutionary shift in business. And you would think that the, the next entry on that list would be another technology. It would be like blockchain, or it would be um, artificial intelligence or machine learning. But because sea change technologies are coming out every month or week, the real next major evolution in business is being purpose-driven, meaning you have set a North Star about the impact that you're trying to have in the world. And it's not about any specific technology. It's about that impact. And what that does is that gives you a better lens through which to evaluate technologies that would support you in having that impact. It decouples your sense of what we do from a specific product or a specific service and really orients it around the impact that you're trying to have. That supports you in innovation, that attracts talent to your organization, that attracts and retains better customers for your organization. It gives you defense against disruption. I mean, the benefits the, benef the, the scope of benefits is similar to the scope of benefits that you would have seen from digitization or web 1.0, that type of thing. But now it's not about a technology. It's about being purpose-driven. So your second question was, yeah, how what do does you it mean operationalize to op operationalize? It? Yeah. yeah. So this is a, a wonderful question because I see this a lot. People think that they're going to write the slogan up on the wall for what their purpose is. You know, we're trying to bring smiles to everyone in the world. Okay, great. But, but are you really operationalized with your purpose? And for me, what, what that means is, how do you tell? Well, number one, if you, if you ambushed any employee in your company, they would be able to tell you what that purpose was. They would understand and clearly be able to articulate how their work rolls up to that purpose. It means that you have put purpose at the top of the agenda when you meet. It means that you're measuring your departments and your company as a whole relative to your purpose and the impact that you're trying to have. 
It's going to be in your job descriptions. It's going to be in your, in your worker evaluations. It's going to be, I mean, in the way that you communicate with your vendors, even it's everywhere. That's operationalized purpose. And that's that level of baking it into the DNA, so to speak, is how you get to the point where the benefits that we talked about earlier really start to manifest. How much of this is what you do now? Like how, how much of helping companies, is that a big part of what Scrappy AF does or, or does it, how does this fit with your current business? I would say just in terms of revenues, 20% on the way to 100. That's I, I hit. And the reason for that is because the more work that I do, the more directly involved with business teams I get to operationalize purpose in, in this organization, that organization, the more I get that, I, don't, I mean, people have this experience like that full body, every cell in you says yes, right? To say, I found my purpose, I guess, is the best way to say that. Um, so I, I have a huge gratitude for the amount of revenues that I've been able to generate as, as a marketing consultant as Scrappy. It's been phenomenal. Um, and walking away from this level of... Uh, whatever revenue generation is, is challenging, but it, it's absolutely clear to me, this is where I need to be going. Yeah. This is, this is one of the questions that I like, it's the reason I started this podcast is I wanted to ask purpose-driven entrepreneurs what it is that they're really living their life for. So when you think about a question like, well, what do you want to be remembered for when you die? Or what do you feel like you're living your life for as it relates to yourself personally, but also as an entrepreneur, what jumps out to you as most important? I do want to be playing a role in, in helping to transition the world to a new model of business um, where it is about the impact that we're trying to create rather than the profit we're trying to generate, which the ultimate irony is purpose-driven companies outperform on, on the NASDAQ. Uh, absolutely consistent, uh, consistently, the data that's coming out of Forbes magazine, totally clear on this. Um, what, what an irony, of course, um, but that's it. That's where I want to be. I think that, that we have come as a species, we've come to a point where we can, we can dream in another dimension. We can create in a, in a bigger way. It can be more than I purchased my product from this company by exchanging my money. It's, I am part of the purpose of this organization by purchasing from them. And the same thing on, on the employee side, I'm exchanging my life energy for a paycheck or I'm involved in having this impact on the world that I believe in. That's the next level that we can get to both in terms of how companies relate to their customers and how they relate to their employees. And that's the impact that I want to be a part of. Why is that so important to you that it's one of the things you want to hang your life on? I, cause I believe in a capacity of mankind that we haven't reached yet. Um, and I think that this, that I, I very much have alive in me the thing that people have talked about is alive in this species, which is our impulse to explore and to push new boundaries and to create in bigger ways. And I think this is the next way to, to create bigger and, and more meaningfully uh, as a species collectively. And damn, that's, that's compelling to me. When someone comes to you for help when it comes to operationalizing purpose in their business, do they typically have a strong sense of purpose and it's lacking in their business or is it both that they don't know what the purpose of their business is 
and nor to their employees or or how how are they typically where is their starting point typically when they're coming to you for help i've seen both what i find most common is there there is a sense of purpose and i usually work directly with leadership most most commonly i'm working directly with leadership each and i like to ambush them and interview them separately so they don't get a chance to collude first right hey we're this yeah, guy's going to come good. in and interview us can we do this real quick so I ambush them. And what I find is that they do each have a sense, perhaps even a very passionate sense of what the organization's purpose may be, but they lack alignment. So the first exercise is to let's get everybody into the room. We're going to talk about the values that they see associated with this company, where they find alignment in their personal lives with those values. And we go through this exercise of communicating first from values level, and then on a, on a, a visionary level, what is it based on these values that, that the impact we're trying to create in the world looks like? Um, I actually, um, I go through this exercise where I have them before we meet, each of you get online or grab a camera, bring to this meeting an image, a photo that to you represents what it looks like when this organization's purpose is being fulfilled in the world. And I want you to be ready to talk about that. So we have like time to share. Yay, sit down, time to share. Um, and everybody does that. They go around in a circle and they communicate that. And we, we work through a conversation to find this nexus of alignment between the leaders on, on what it is this organization is out to accomplish, the impact that we're, we're here to have in the world. Uh, and then we go through an exercise of crafting that statement that, that really unifies their collective vision. And there is some compromise in that. You know, I, I, I caution business teams against seeking 100% and aim for 80 right? Um, otherwise, your conversation will never end. It will last forever. Be okay with about that 80% sense of it. But if you're like, if you're feeling that you have like 30% alignment, keep talking. Um, as an individual, you're like, I, I'm just not into that. A, because you'll realize that you're actually not aligned with the group, which is a very important personal, valuable realization for you and them. Uh, and B, because you may have something valuable to contribute to a conversation that could take them to a better place. So yeah, have the difficult conversation up front until you have achieved that alignment. And again, I've helped to facilitate that. Um, and then once you have that alignment, now let's talk about, I have these seven pillars of business. Every business has these seven areas of function. How do we take action to operationalize this now stated and clearly agreed upon purpose into these seven areas of our organization. And I say, get out of your lane. Your area might be uh, product slash service, but I also have an area here called finance. I have an area here called leadership. Put post-it notes in every lane. And I love to see like the, the result of this. It's a big thing that goes up on the wall. Everybody gets a different pad, different color pad. And I can see green notes in every lane. I can see yellow notes in every lane. That's really a beautiful exercise. So when you were talking about crafting the statement, um, let's shrink the size of the business just for me and my audience here. Um, when you're a much smaller business mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, one uh, entrepreneur who's trying to be the visionary entrepreneur of the company, like how do like do you is, how important is it that you have a purpose statement very clearly understood and articulated when you're at the very beginning of the business like first year or second year um and your team is extremely small maybe it's like 
just a couple of full timers and a, and contractors. Like, how, how how do you think about that at that early stage? And I'll just say where this is coming from for me is, yeah, I yeah. I feel like I have a sense of purpose. Like I in a conversation, I could get the purpose out, but I don't feel like I'm great when it comes to clearly articulating in a really like impactful statement what the purpose is. Like I have friends that are just wordsmiths when it comes to a statement of purpose. You you hear mm-hmm. it and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I want to get behind that. I don't have that yep. skill. But how important is it to have that figured out extremely early? Well, probably no shocker to hear from me that I think it's goddamn important. <laughs> but let me tell you why. <laughs> um, what I have found, and I every role that I've taken started with a, a earlier mid stage company, and this is like. I know, I know the space you're talking about, something that I have observed in, in organizations that are young, they are constantly in an in a invention process. Like they're inventing their process, their approach, they're, they're talking about their value propositions. It's just this, it's this royal of like action and activity. The role that a purpose plays in setting a North Star for people who are at that super active stage of, of invention and recreation and reinvention is a little difficult to overstate, honestly. And this is because, I'll give you an example. If you think about, I've used this, this example before, Toro mower. Toro makes like mowers, weed whackers, hedge trimmers, et cetera. If in the earliest stages, they were, they were totally convinced that, that what they were out to do was to create lawn mowers where they end up as an organization is highly disruptible. They also, they also lack uh, this North Star aspect when it comes to how they are feverishly inventing the best way to go about this. Because what they're looking at is the best way to go about building, selling, delivering a mower versus the best way to go about building, selling, delivering a beautiful yard for a homeowner to exist in and experience peace comfort, security, serenity. That's what you're delivering to a market. You've heard this uh, um, thought exercise. People say, if somebody goes into a store, a hardware store, and they need a quarter inch hex shank uh, titanium twist, well, that's a, that's a drill bit. They say, well, what is that person trying to buy? It's, oh, a drill bit. Okay. But then somebody else says, what that person needs is a hole, right? They're not there to, to get a drill bit. They don't care about the drill, but they want the hole. And then somebody else who knows this a little bit further down the line says, what that person really needs is to finish the project that they're working on. So maybe it's shelves in their garage. And ultimately the need, the core need that they're trying to fill is organization and uh, lack of clutter and you know whatever it is. That's, that's why to me, it's so important at the earliest stages to set your purpose. You know the impact you're trying to create for people for groups, for organizations, whatever your target audience is. Because when, you, when you're clear, that's the impact. That's the before us slash after us difference that you're creating. It's not going to be about some shiny object invention that you're obsessed with because that's going to come and go. The impact that you're trying to create, that's solid. Yeah. Well, this is really awesome. So Colton, I have two for fun questions for you. So the first one okay. is I'm a, I'm a kid's book author and I believe that one of the most overlooked ways of having impact on this world is to influence the next generation. So just for fun, what's a topic or idea you would make a kid's book about if you could? 
I want to, I want to create a topic that helps kids understand that they are creative for the rest of their lives versus well, I don't, I don't know how to do this yet, but all the things that beat it out of them that make them think, you know, by the time they're in fifth grade, when you walk into that room and say, I'm an artist, who in this room is an artist and only two hands go up. Yeah. I want to make sure that, that, that young people understand not only how many dimensions of creativity there really are instead of it just means you can paint or it just means you can dance or it just means you can play an instrument, but it means a thousand things. And, and I want them to remember that it means a thousand things. And the second thing would be that creativity is a lot like, um, it's a lot like building athletic capability. Sure, some people may be born with more of it, but if you make the decision that creativity is something you wanted to develop in your life, anybody can be amazingly creative. You just have to decide that that's what you want and do the, do the work, right? In whatever area it is that you want to be creative, uh, like any area you want to be athletic, go ahead and do the work. It's there. Yeah. Why that kid's book? Like, why do you think that needs to exist? Or what do you think the impact of that would be? I, I think that if I think of things like interpersonal communication skills, I think about uh, personality awareness, a lot of things that business leadership teams will bring in for professional development for their teams, more than any of the other ones that I can think of, creativity is going to have a more significant impact on every area of success in that business, whether it's coming up with new ways to create relationships with clients, new ways to package your products, uh, new ways to incentivize employees. I mean, like creativity is going to be everywhere. And because we now have access as individuals to a dizzying array of capabilities through the internet, through new technology, being a person who's creative means you will be among the most massively empowered individuals on the planet. That's why I think creativity is the focus of the book I want to write. Yeah, I love that. The, the only thing that, it, that I would say, well, oh man, there's a few core skills that I would ascribe as much significance as you just gave to creativity. And uh, it's maybe like strategy, relationality. Yep. Um, Great. But yeah, creativity is one of the top ones. Um, really good stuff. Uh, my last for fun question for you. What is something you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at? <laughs> yeah, uh, um, basically applying all the principles of, of good, good marketing and communications to my own work. Mm. Um, you know, somebody in my department creates uh, some copy for an ad. I have no problem hacking it down 50% and saying, this is as much as you need it in this thing. I write my own stuff. Somehow every word is precious. <laughs> I can't do the same kind of um, heavy handed, like let's make this better uh, approach to my own work that I'm able to do with the work of other people. And I want to get better at that because I know my work can be a lot better. I just don't have the same flow of instinct on how when I'm mm. looking at my own work. Yeah, it's so funny. I have the same experience where I'll be doing something for a customer and I'm I'm suddenly struck with like, why am I not doing this for myself? <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's copywriting. Is there any other thing specifically that you're like, oh, I do this for customers, so I don't do this for myself? Yeah, so I help customers produce a lot of video content. As I look at, at the video content that I produce after I produce it, it's like, okay, could have done that better. Um, my website, my own website, it's like, okay, 
I'm not at all satisfied with my website. Copywriting, yeah, you already mentioned. I mean, it's really, it's kind of across the board in terms of, in terms of the marketing work that I do. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty quick to come around and go, I could have done that better. Why, why did I let that product go out in that way when I can already see so many ways it should have done better? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's also just something that's going to plague us all the time. Like I'm constantly revising books that have been published because <laughs> when I look back yes. at previous work and I'm not precious about it either. Like for some reason, people have this, like, like it was etched in stone. It wasn't etched in stone. Everything's print on demand. Now I change the file and tomorrow every book is printed the new version. So, yep. so it's not precious, but yeah, yeah, I'm constantly going back and being like, why did I write it like that? The struggle is um, real brother. You know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Colton, this has been a really fun conversation. Thank you so much for being on. Where are you most active on social media for listeners to connect with you? LinkedIn is always the easiest place to reach me. Colt Reiner on LinkedIn. Still, as far as I know, the only one there. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on.